0: You know, if you really want to understand ACT, or psychotherapy, or behaviorism, you can do it through the matrix in a particular way.
1: So welcome back to, to ACT, Root to Fruit. My name is Marcel Tesara, and uh, I'm swimming around in this whole contextual behavioral psychologies to uh, to get to the, the substructures, the... You know the building blocks of, of ACT and FAP and c- compassion-focused therapy and um, all the stuff that's in ACBS and uh, hoping to to help folks get more precise and have a, a better grasp of what what they're doing. And uh, today I'm I'm really grateful to be joined by my buddy Jacob Martinez. Thanks for thanks for joining me. Yeah, no, um, you're welcome. One of my it's a he's my snow brother one of the the few of us in Wisconsin who are yeah it's about
0: right? 1 degree fahrenheit outside right now
1: <laughs> i've been really uh inspired by you to to get deeper into into the books and to push myself in in ways that aren't necessarily always uh my go-to's so i, I appreciate that about you your heart you're you're a hard you're hard working MFer.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I always appreciate talking to you, and enjoy anytime we get the chance to chat about whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. So Jacob's uh, a therapist here, and in private practice, and and does consultation around you know the CBS modalities, and and is a is a, a big champion of the Matrix. He's got a couple of websites. One is. Um, the matrix.com and also actnaturally and, and the actmatrix.com the actmatrix.com and actnaturally.net .net and uh, and uh, has has um, curated some some really helpful information to help people to to uh, explore rft and 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 you published your book on, on on the matrix so so welcome thanks for thanks for joining me now oh, you're welcome I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So let's talk some matrix. Sure. And, and function if that's okay.
0: Well, I think that the, the matrix actually is, um, a good way of, of helping clients think functionally, you know, that's the point of it. That's why I use it. Yeah. And I think that question that you're asked, um, your interviewees here, you know, how important is it that clients or that therapists think functionally is a good question to ask. But I also think there's a difference between a therapist thinking functionally and a client thinking functionally. I think it's it's the therapist's job to think functionally and then to help incrementally a client start to think functionally and and analyze the function of their behavior. What's been
1: your experience of seeing things and thinking more functionally since jumping in this arena?
0: Hmm. It's a hard question because... I think in some sense, once you think functionally, it's hard not to think functionally Mm -hmm. and it's hard, it's hard to remember a time when you didn't think functionally, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh, in other words, you know, to think functionally is just, to just to be aware of kind of the act in context, I suppose, right. That, that things happen as a part of a a large system, Mm -hmm. which the environment is, is one piece and everything in the environment and the the body and all of our different components are influencing, uh, the behavior that's going on. Um, but I also think, you know, when I, when I was just starting out as a clinician and still in school and stuff like that, I was really attracted to Gestalt, Mm -hmm. you know, which you and I have talked about before. Yeah. And in Gestalt, there's this idea of the field, the Gestalt field. And it's this Cantorian field theory. Mm-hmm. And, and and the way I picture it is, is that it is a, a matrix, like, like a dot matrix. You know, like if you if you can imagine like putting on a VR headset and mm-hmm. it just turns everything around you into like a, a dot matrix. Yeah. Right. And everything is a form within that dot matrix. And then as you go through the world, you're you're passing through those dots. You, they're kind of hitting you, right? And then the gestalt. The, the theory is that um, a person becomes stuck when their gestalt is fi- is fixed, when the field doesn't move, or when you don't move through the field. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're going through life, going to work, going home, and you're contacting the same field every day. It's just nothing's hap- Nothing's nothing's different. And then in order to create some movement or some change, you have to contact the field differently or... Um, you know, rotate your perspective around the field or help the the gestalt field move again. Yeah. Yeah. And so so coming from that idea to this other idea, which I think is is still Cantorian, this idea of the field, right? Um, It was an easy switch.
1: Okay. And when you say field, this... Like kind of the stream is that the,
0: the this field in, in our way of talking is the yeah stream? well we, we we sometimes we talk about a stream and you'll hear people talking about a stream and a stream is like a single shing, like a you know a single point mm-hmm. a field is a field of those streams where like every dot on that dot matrix is a stream in and of itself okay right and so we simplify it down into the idea of a stream that that our life is a stream of action you know, or behavior, Mm -hmm. Uh, but in in reality, it's a stream, you know, in context, which is the field and those Mm -hmm. are streams and and that's how it kind of works.
1: Yeah. We're on
0: this topic of function. Because we can talk about function, I guess, like through the lens of the matrix. Okay. Because that's something that I'm interested in, in my own work, which is, uh, because of course I do act work, Mm -hmm. but I do a very particular kind of act work, which is called the act matrix. And the act matrix is a, is a tool or an approach or a point of view to working with people, uh, that a lot of people know how to do, and a lot of people do it. Mm -hmm. But then there are a few clinicians, uh, who kind of just do the matrix. And I'm, and I'm one of those. Mm -hmm. And I say that I don't, I don't just do it like with every single client, but it's kind of like my main way of looking at act itself or looking at behavior itself is, is through the matrix. Okay. So I think I have a kind of a handy way of, of describing or helping, you know, it, like, let's say I was going to sit down with somebody who didn't know what be, any behaviorism at all. I had no contact with it mm-hmm. or, or this idea of function or the function and context. Mm-hmm. Um, I might use the matrix to help them understand that stuff. Okay. So let me see if I can
1: what what is it, what does the matrix add to 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 you know your your work, would you say? Um...
0: it adds kind of a structure for me because I'm I am a person who needs a lot of structure mm-hmm. in the kind of interventions that I do. Yeah. Or at least like a map. And yeah. you'll kind you could kind of see if we do a, a matrix here together, yeah, or at least play around with it, yeah, how we can kind of continue to refer to it throughout the discussion.
1: And, um, just also, I don't know if we are able to do this in a way that is, um,
0: Oh yeah. That th- that's good radio as well. Right? That's, yeah. 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 Because yeah, that net that a, a problem that the matrix is kind of a visual tool. Yeah. At least that's what the way we think of it. It's actually a spatial tool or like a geospatial tool. Mm. Uh, so it's more about like directionality and space spatial okay.
1: awareness. Yeah. yeah
0: but we, we use it as a visual tool, although there are adaptations to the matrix for the blind, uh, for example, and things like that. Really? Yeah. Uh, and you just do that with texture, right? You can kind of map it out, but with different uh, textures huh, and you can kind of lead a person through that. It's Very really great. Cool. Yeah. So well, if, if you're listening and, uh,
1: and it doesn't make sense, go to YouTube,
0: but I'll describe it while I'm doing it because I, um, there are certain things that you can imagine and you can, you know, uh, you can get it if you're just listening to the audio version of this as well. Okay. Okay. Well, let's start. You want to start with just like a real basic stuff, and then we can kind of build the matrix from scratch, basically. Let's do it. I think that would be helpful if we just built a matrix from scratch instead of just doing the matrix. So I'm going to draw a line, a horizontal line with an arrow on each end. Mm-hmm. Can you see that there? Yeah. And... On one end of the line, I'm going to do it on the right-hand side. I'm going to put the word approach. Yeah. And on the other end of the line, I'm going to put the word avoid. And that's it. And so now we have this line, one side is approach, the other side is avoid. And I want you to imagine the very earliest organism that ever existed on the planet, like, like at the birth of the planet, you know, once, once the earth cooled down and it was not full of, you know, lava and stuff all over and the temperature, you know, uh, allowed life to form
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're talking about like microorganisms, you know, single celled organisms here. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: What is something that that single celled organism can do or has the ability to do? Live,
1: avoid pain.
0: Yeah, okay. So there there's there's a couple of things that are live and avoid pain. Mm-hmm. And and let's say that a single single celled organism uh, at this point, you know, in, in, in history, maybe it just eats passively. Like it doesn't like go out and hunting it doesn't hunt food down, it just like nutrients kind of just wash through its body and it kinda gets nutrients that way. Yeah. Or maybe sunlight uh, provides some mechanism for nutrition, for this organism. Yeah. So this organism would need maybe to develop some motor functions at some point or some sensory organs to tell the difference between what? Yummy and danger. Yeah. Yummy and danger or hot or cold, Mm -hmm. too hot to live, too cold to live. No. Or sunlight versus darkness or uh, any number of things. No, right? So the, the simplest organism ever, once it, once it gained you know mobility essentially, uh, could do these two things. It could approach or avoid. In other words, the sunlight hits it and if it likes the sunlight, it wants to stay there. If, if it's too dark, it might try to search for the sunlight. Mm-hmm. If it, if it's too hot, it might try to avoid that heat try to find some cooler temperature and so on. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then if you go on to multicellular organisms and then every other organism, organism that has ever existed on the planet, you can see that every other animal on earth does these two things. They approach certain things and then they avoid certain things. So, how are humans i guess different than you know every other animal on the planet well if you um you know if you if you're knowledgeable about you know these recent developments and and, and kind of like the birth of rft and stuff like that you know, the thing that makes humans unique is that we have adapted or evolved a, a special kind of behavior which we call verbal behavior. Mm -hmm. And then I guess in RFT speak, it's arbitrarily applicable relational responding. We have the ability to respond to something arbitrarily. Yeah. Rather than just by its form or topography or or even just the function that it has. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, I guess even an animal, I suppose, can tell that there's some similarity between a candle flame and, a, a stove top, you know, even if it's an electric stove, it's hot, mm-hmm. but they would have to touch it to, to relate those two things. Yeah. They would need some direct experience there. Whereas you or I can derive a relationship there. Like I can, I can just kind of say, Hey, watch out. That stove is hot. And if you were a, a child, I could say, even though it doesn't look hot, it's just as hot as putting your hand in that flame. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't touch it. But then you and I can go even further than that because I could say, uh, you know, whatever movie star you think is very attractive, I can say, wow, that movie, movie star is as hot as,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that candle flame or that stovetop, right? Mm-hmm. And it would make sense to you. Yeah.
1: So on, we- the, on that note, I have a question mm-hmm. for you about RFT because uh, you know I mentioned earlier your self study you put together, which is mm-hmm. kudos to you. That's really, really awesome, and I'll put a link in in the show notes. What what's what's been useful for you to to metabolize all of that uh, that difficult, you know, to do that to do the hard work of understanding and, and learning about RFT.
0: Well, it's useful because um, I'm just an evolution geek. I, I, I um, And I'm an anthropology geek. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in stuff, even if it wasn't useful to me in my Mm -hmm. career, I'd be useful, I'd be interested in it rather, even if I didn't use it for a living every day, but it's useful because it allows us to um, see a part of that field. If we talk again about that field that, that is all around us, it allows us to make sense of a part of that field that perhaps we can't actually see rather than only dealing with direct contingencies okay. or the direct uh, stimuli in the environment that are actually visible through our sensory experience. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm, I'm very interested these days with like the updates to RFT, like Yvonne's, Yvonne Barnes-Holmes work uh, with the row because mm-hmm. I think it fits really well with uh, a lot of the work that I do.
1: Yeah. And you're, yeah. So anybody who's interested in learning more, check out uh, the Jacob's um, self Jacob self study.
0: Just uh, it's it's slash rft. You should be able to find it. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'll put that I'll put it there. So, so it's, it's like 20, it's like twenty mm-hmm.
0: modules. Yeah, twenty modules. Okay, and they're
1: all they're all available there, right? I mean, there's article links to articles, and it's it's not like so. So
0: what I've done is it's a curation. So there's nothing there that like I specifically have created. Mm-hmm. I'm simply gathering. Yeah bits and pieces that exist elsewhere on the internet yes. and I'm pointing you towards them. Well, so I don't host any of that stuff on my own. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. And would you recommend that as a starting place for somebody who has
0: no idea what RFT oh. is or hasn't read anything, or would you say, go read the purple book or go read the green book? Would, I would recommend my self study guide because it's, it's how I got started to learning RFT. Cause I tried to read the purple book, of course, back in 2010, you know, mm-hmm. when, once I, discovered act, I was like, "Oh, let me see the science, you know? And then I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I I didn't have the, um, Mm -hmm. the, the language to understand it at that time. Yeah. so I had to teach myself that over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in any case, um, the RFT self-study guide that I created is designed to take somebody from like zero. RFT knowledge to functional RFT knowledge, Yeah, just through that.
1: To have, I like how uh, Miranda talks about it. She said, like, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she, she still has a heavy accent
0: when she's heavily accented RFT knowledge, right. Which is okay. Right. I mean, sure. There's different degrees. I mean, um, it's a, it's an entire field of study. You could get a PhD in it. And so obviously not everybody's going to go to that level, Mm -hmm. but I think I can show you how it's useful, uh, here through this diagram that I'm drawing. All right. I'll shut up then. <laughs> so we talk about approach and avoid, approach and avoid every organism on earth can approach and avoid. Yeah. But then something happens in the, in the human species and perhaps, you know, even a little bit earlier than what, you know, uh, well human is a vague term, you know, we talk about us as homo sapiens. hmm but perhaps the Neanderthals had a, had a little bit of, a, of that r ability, arbitrarily mm-hmm. applicable relational responding. And I think that they did. Um, and, and to put that in a, a different
1: way, that's thinking about something that's not here, that I can't see, I can't touch, and, and talking about it.
0: Uh, you can. It, that, that is kind of a, a use for that. that, that this adapta- a- adaptation or this, this behavior allows you to do that. Yes. But it, that's aring. not the thing itself. Okay. If that what makes is, sense.
1: What is the, the thing itself?
0: Well, let's, 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 uh, draw another straight line down here like this. Mm-hmm. So I, what I've done here is I've taken that horizontal line with an arrow on each end approach and avoid, and I've put mm-hmm. a vertical line straight through it. So yeah. it, to create like four boxes Yeah. and on the top of this line
1: crucifixion oh, here, We're,
0: yeah, right. so it looks like a cross. So on the top of that line, the vertical line, I'm going to put sensory. And on the bottom of that line, I'm going to put, um, verbal, or you could, you could even think of this as mental. Although our mind, you know, from an RFT point of view is just that verbal behavior. So if you've got these two now distinctions, approach and avoid, and sensory versus verbal, mm-hmm. what we what we have here is a a matrix, and this is a particular kind of matrix. And we can we can see how things that happen on the outside, like sensory stuff, so things that that we can interact with, see, touch, hear, smell, taste, mm-hmm. etc can lead us to want to approach or avoid those very things, right? Like if you eat something that's spoiled, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to avoid that. So your senses allow you basically to approach or avoid different things.
1: Okay. And that, that top, um, sensory is not distinguishing between, um, things that I'm sensing on the outside versus inside of my skin.
0: Uh, not necessarily, um, because. The things that you're sensing on the inside of your skin, if, you know, if we're talking about mental experience, yeah, that is down there in the bottom, that verbal slash mental experience. Okay. Okay. So you can think of it as sensory experience on the top and verbal experience or mental experiencing on the bottom half. Okay. Okay. So for example, let me, let me kind of show you how this RFT stuff kind of comes into play using an example. Um, let me change the color here. So let's say we have something like let's just use a, a quick example that's very easy to understand. Um, if I put vomit or vomiting
1: mm-hmm.
0: on the, it's a sensory thing. Vomiting is a sensory thing, or, or something our body does. Yeah. And it's something that is usually very aversive to mm-hmm. us. You know, we don't we don't want to vomit. Very few people enjoy vomiting.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's it tends to be something that we avoid doing. And if you think about vomiting, there might also be some mental experience show, that shows up, some verbal or mental experience that shows up for you. Yeah. So when you think of the word vomiting, or if you imagine somebody vomiting, what is something that shows up on the inside of you?
1: Mm, like some disgust?
0: Yeah. So we might think, ooh, gross. Mm-hmm. That may be a thought we're having. And then a feeling might show up, which is disgust, that goes along with that thought. I think about the
1: stuff at in elementary school, the janitor would come by with a yeah. that they would throw in there. Yeah. Ugh.
0: Definitely. <laughs> so then, what if I told you that I could, you know, through verbal behavior, through this power of, you know, this... this r ability, arbitrarily applicable relational responding, we could transform vomiting from something that you want to avoid to something that you want to approach. How would I do that? Well, I might... So let's say I'm going to put vomiting over here now. Mm-hmm. So that's something we want to approach. The way I could do that was, would be to say that glass you just drank out of was poisoned. Mm -hmm. So I could say to you that glass was poisoned, and then you would relate all of that with all of your experience of of poison you may never have been poisoned before but you might like you're in your mind you're thinking of like a skull and crossbones the princess right? bride the
1: princess bride
0: yeah right and then if you believed me you know if i was serious about this and say hey you know or at least you had enough trust uh, to believe me yeah you might try on purpose to vomit So you might do something like stick your fingers down your throat and et cetera. And then if you vomited, you might think, whew, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe I'm safe now. Yeah. And you might get some relief. But see, the behavior would change all around because the vomiting over here, when it's aversive, if we feel ourselves starting to get queasy or nauseous, you know, we, we do all kinds of things to try to mitigate that. We might start to breathe differently. We might start to like sweat. We might uh, try to put like a cool washcloth, you know, somewhere like on the back of our neck or something like that. We might stop moving or lay down. I'm somebody who gets nauseous all the time, so I'm I'm good at this c- sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But if 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 this verbal behavior comes in, in other words, literally a sentence, "Hey, that glass was poisoned." Yeah. All the behavior starts to change. Yeah. Around vomiting, and all of a sudden, I'm like. Whoa! Like I need to, I need to get that out of me. If we were being mean to somebody, you could kind of, you could kind of make somebody nauseous, right? Like you could kind of gross somebody out or say some, certain things so they would start to feel like actually a little bit queasy. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, even listeners listening to this right now might start to feel a little bit of that nausea, just b- because of the topic that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The word vomit. And what we're seeing here is is that uh, I've written that glass was poisoned in purple there in the center. That instance, right, that little stimulus uh, essentially can transform the function of vomiting for a person. Mm -hmm. It can take it from something that's that's aversive to something that's appetitive or something we want to approach Mm -hmm. real fast. And so the work that we do is of this nature right clients are avoiding certain things and they're approaching certain things with varying degrees of workability yeah for the client's life and then we are using language to help transform the function of you know the different behaviors that they're engaging in
1: you know in this example it's 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 an immediate you know either i vomit or i die Right. And, and Mm -hmm. the, the, the difference being that we're trying to get people to contact these long-term values that, that maybe don't have that, that, um,
0: immediate relief. Yeah. Right. So let me, if I can, I'll just start a new image Mm -hmm. because you hit, you said the magic word there in act, right. We're sort of about values. Yeah. So I might put approach again on one side. So I've drawn another diagram. Horizontal line is approach and avoid. Vertical line is sensory and mental or verbal. That's the vertical line. Values are the great transformer. And what What I mean by that is we use values as kind of a lever mm-hmm. to help clients um, discern how their behavior is functioning for them, mm-hmm. and we can use values tr- to transform the function of certain behavior yeah. or certain experiences, yeah. So for example, you know, let's do another extreme example and then we'll maybe do some more realistic ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the house is on fire. You want to avoid the house that's on fire, yeah. but your kids are inside. So now you approach, you run inside to the house that's on fire. Mm-hmm. It's the values that flip that switch. Or you can even take something that is neutral and you can, you can change it to appetitive or aversive or approach or avoid. Um, you could hold up anything. You could hold up a blank sheet of paper or something. It's just neutral. It doesn't do anything for you. Mm -hmm. And then you could say something like, you know, I want you to imagine that on this sheet of paper is a letter that the person you love the most in your entire life has written you. Mm. And it's the last thing you'll ever read from that person. Mm. And suddenly that paper takes on a function. And that function might be approach. I want to read it. or that, that paper might be avoid. I want to avoid that paper. No. I don't want to see those last words. No. You see how the values can, can act as that kind of like fulcrum almost.
1: And so you're, you get going with values or from the, from the go with, with clients.
0: When we do matrix work, um, typically, although values as they are described in act are, are, are kind of a set of things, um, uh, and I think I have a, I have my own kind of view on on what values are and how they how they work in, in matrix work we begin with who and what is important to you which are, it's not the exact same thing as values but it gets you it gets you on the way to, to clarifying values
1: and just um, clar- as far as clarification goes when you say in matrix work it mm-hmm. kind of sounds like you're saying like in this secret
0: society that I'm a part of well. Um, you could kind of consider matrix work, act matrix work. And again, there's only a few of us that do it this way, but you could kind of consider it to be kind of like a fork of act.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, in other words, you can do all of act, everything that act does, you can do it through the matrix, okay. or you can use the matrix just as a tool. Yeah. As a single intervention, you could do the matrix one time with a client and never look at it again, just for like a single intervention purpose. Okay, but but I use the matrix like as the bedrock of all interventions for clients.
1: Do you see it as markedly different? I mean, you're saying in matrix work, so is it markedly different from how other people are are
0: conceptualizing and working? No, it's not. Um, f- you know, markedly different because anybody who's doing you know anybody who's well trained in the kind of work that we're doing can do it without the matrix or with the matrix.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Although I do think. The matrix allows for um, some easy metaphor building, okay. Some easy experiential work and easy homework assignment, easy treatment planning. So, okay. on the therapist end, I think it makes the work a little bit easier for me. Yeah. And then I like to. There's a collaborative nature of of the matrix work, where everything we're doing, like any any time I'm I'm drawing a diagram like this with a client, the client is participating in that okay so they may be drawing it with me or they have it you know in their lap kind of a thing Uh, i i said let's say we build the act matrix Mm -hmm. um let's take it one step further right because you could use this system like this diagram which is just two lines approach avoid sensory mental and you could do a lot of act act work with it but there is um there is a a tweak which actually is the act matrix and the tweak is rather than approach and avoid on the horizontal line the words are toward and away Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that sounds almost exactly the same yeah except when we say toward in the matrix we mean toward Who and what is important to you Mm -hmm. specifically rather than just toward anything yeah i'll put who and what matters and And away in the matrix is away in the matrix is simply away from uh uncomfortable unwanted or stuff that's hard to hold on to Mm -hmm or stuff that shows up to get in the way.
1: A dangerous part of that kind of thinking is that it's, you know, one way or the other, which isn't always the case,
0: right? Correct. And, uh, we can talk about that here in just a second, because that is a dangerous part of the, of, of this kind of system. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Although the way I kind of explain it is a rabbit can move away from a coyote and toward a carrot at the same time, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be one or the other. So if we go back to values for a little bit, um, who and what matters is not the same as values, because my, my kind of belief is, is that values are imbued sort of in everything that we do, like all behavior, it, 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 it relates to our values in some way. Yeah. Um, so even the stuff that's showing up on the inside that is. You know, our, our emotional experience that we, that we'd like to label as, you know, negative or bad or wrong or whatever, it has a lot to do with our values, mm-hmm. right? Or, or it can reveal a lot about our values with us. So our values are not just, um, like down here. So that's like a common misconception about the matrix is our, our values are just like this box, the, the bottom right hand, mm-hmm. uh, box, and, and then that's it. But values work is actually, it's, it's kind of woven through every part of the work with clients because we, we see values in here we see values in here and we see values in here
1: yeah i'm going to just step back here for a second i'm going to say what what's your what what are you trying to present here and what are you hoping that he will take away from your talking about your approach to the matrix because because what you're talking about here is something you've developed not
0: you know? yet this is still standard regular act matrix stuff that you can read in any book okay okay Uh, So we just went from approach and avoid, just Mm -hmm. pure approach and avoid to toward what matters and away from stuff that shows up that that gets in the way of what matters, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the top, I I haven't labeled those, but those are just uh, behaviors you do to move away from the stuff that gets in the way Mm -hmm. and behaviors you do to move you toward what matters to you. Yeah. So, so this is the act matrix here. So basically what this does is when you're working with a client in this way, you set up the system that sets life uh, to be about, you know, doing what matters to you
1: yeah. and
0: being with the people that matter to you or engaging in things that are important to you. And, you set all of these other experiences that are difficult or hard as things that are getting in the way of achieving that.
1: Hmm.
0: So something like anxiety is something that is perhaps getting in the way of, you know, going to ask for a promotion at your work or her, you know, all these silly examples we do, you know, asking, asking somebody out on a date, mm-hmm. something that's important to you. The anxiety is simply getting in the way of that. And uh, there are different ways that we can respond to the anxiety. You know, when the anxiety shows up, we can hide or run away from it. When the anxiety shows up, we can uh, sit with it, you know, try to do all, our, all these different skills that, that, that uh, ACT uses or that ACT promotes. Or we can simply dig into the anxiety and think, you know, wh- what do I have to care about in order for this anxiety to be here? Mm-hmm. Which which opens up values for us. And then we can use that values as a fulcrum again and say, well, would it be worth it, right? I know it's risky and I know the anxiety is going to be here and I know the anxiety is going to get more intense the closer you get to it. Yeah. But, w- but would you be willing to have some of that anxiety if it meant moving toward who and what matters to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So that's kind of how... You would use the matrix kind of in a quick and quick and dirty way.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I like the I really like the visualization. I think that's uh really helpful to to just get get people to see, and there's a lot of diffusion that can happen in and seeing these words and, and creating this together.
0: Sure. And then you can draw loops, for example, like the the stuff shows up here, and then we end up doing a behavior up here. And then that behavior results in more stuff showing up on the inside, and then back and forth. We can kind of draw out these uh, problematic loops of behavior, or unworkable loops of behavior. Or we can uh, point out workable loops of behavior, Mm -hmm. things that uh, help us get where we're going. So when I say it's not just a visual tool, but it's kind of like a geospatial tool, Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is clients can take this home and if they're they're well-versed in kind of viewing this map, they -hmm. might be out and about and they might like kind of almost in their mind kind of have this map. Uh, For example, I've done hundreds and hundreds of these matrices with clients. And what I started to notice was I come home from work or something like that and I'm irritated or I'm stressed out Mm -hmm. and even though you do the matrix, you still get (laughs) stressed. Yeah. Even though, (laughs) but then what I notice is, uh, maybe I'll be short with my spouse or maybe I'll, uh, you know, not want to talk or my face is in a certain configuration where I look kind of upset or, or mad or something like that. I started to like, literally in my mind's eye see like the bottom left-hand corner Mm -hmm. of my field of vision, like flashing, like a little red light, like blinking. Yeah. Like something saying, Hey, look at me. Like something's, something's going on here Mm -hmm. that you need to attend to. And then I stop and I attend to it and I say, Oh, I'm stressed. Oh, I'm, you know, I I'm, I'm rushing, rushing, rushing Mm -hmm. home from work. And I don't need to be rushing. Yeah. And then my behavior starts to change
1: you're 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 selling this as a a really helpful way for clients to see the function of their behavior
0: exactly exactly this is my intake process so i have a like an intake protocol that i developed using the matrix Mm -hmm. and so the the first thing i do with the client like on that first session is, is do a matrix not the very first thing i you know we talk about why they're there and stuff but um clients walk out of my office with a matrix a filled in complete matrix on the intake session session. Okay.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They fill out themselves. Yes. Okay. And that's, is that on your, that's on your act matrix website?
0: I have that intake protocol. Yeah. So I have the dot which is my website mm-hmm. and in, in there, there's a get started link or whatever. And, um, you can read like how, how I do it step-by-step. I have a first session protocol, and then I have session two, session three, and four.
1: Okay, very cool. And and so, can you say a little bit about what you've done to the the matrix and how mm-hmm. you personalize it?
0: Yes, I can. So the th- there's been some criticisms of the matrix in the past, which are valid, I think. And and part of the criticisms are that pro- clients don't only have pro- problems with avoidance. In other words, avoiding things or moving away from stuff is not only a root of suffering. So that's one criticism. The second criticism is toward and away as a lang- like the, the yes, two words are in opposition to one another. Yeah. Like in, in real life, you can't move toward something and away from the same thing mm. at the same time. Yeah. Physically, it's just not possible, right? But in matrix work, you can be moving toward something and away from the same thing, which gets confusing for clients, but it also gets confusing for therapists. So almost every clinician who learns the matrix begins to use it in a way that is toward values or away from values. And every client, I'm sorry, yeah, every client who takes it home starts to use it that way as well, in my experience. They, they think of it as toward my values or away from my values. Yeah. Now, that's a different tool. That's the choice point. You know, there's already something for that, and that's not the matrix. Okay. But you can't avoid it because the, the, the words toward and away are in an oppositional relationship, you know, in our mind, just because all of our learning history has told us Toward and away are opposites of one another. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's really hard to get around that. So I've, um, done some work to kind of mitigate both of those criticisms or what I would say are flaws of the matrix. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just as critical of the matrix as any other person. Um, even though I enjoy it, I do think it's not perfect and it's not like the perfect system. Yeah. And I do th- I do think that there are there are room for there's room for improvements. And so here's at least my improvement on it. Um, I draw the horizontal line, and instead of putting the arrows on, uh, you can just leave those off because you don't really need them. And on one end, we're gonna put the letter s, and on the other end, we're gonna put the letter v. Now s is gonna stand for survival. And the letter V is gonna stand for vital. I don't have room but I'll put it in here. So we have a distinction now between survival mm-hmm. and vital. And I've chosen these two words very carefully because they come from you know similar roots in Latin. Survival, the original uh, word meant to outlive. So to survive means to outlive. And survival stuff helps you outlive, right? It's our evolutionary, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's in our DNA to survive. Yeah. Vital comes from a Latin word, which means to get more life, okay? Or something that adds life. Hmm. So that would be something that, like, we have this phrase, like a vital experience. Yeah, A vital experience is something that kind of in- invigorates you. It yeah. gives you more life. So vital stuff is kind of like why we're alive. Like, the, the perp, like you know, oh, I want to be alive so I can do these vital things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Survival just means like staying alive. Yeah. Okay. And then we have a vertical line down the center, which is the same as the traditional act matrix. Sensory stuff on the outside or outside stuff, including behavior uh, that, that is outwardly seen, you know, through our senses. And then mental experiencing or verbal experiencing and verbal behavior on the inside. So what that means is at the moment of birth, you know, when you're a baby, you're really interested in surviving, but you're not too interested in building a vital life Mm -hmm. or engaging in vital experiences. Mm -hmm. As time goes on, you hope to have more vital experiences and to have as many vital experiences as you can before you die. So it turns out that all of the away moves that you can think of, like when when I do these towards and away with clients, clients identify away moves. Mm -hmm. A lot of the most common away moves are shut down, push people away, uh, avoid stuff. Um, But sometimes there are behaviors in the away side that are curious. They're not avoidance-based. There are things like, um, you know, maybe engage in behaviors that are, well, let me let me let me figure out how to say this actually. Behaviors that are geared towards, you know, very clearly towards moving towards something, but are not avoidance based per se. You could kind of wiggle it into being avoidance based, uh, but are simply things that that are, uh, rooted in our like biological desires,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. like, uh, promiscuity or something like that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And and so all the away moves that you can find are actually survival moves, or you can conceptualize them as survival moves. There are, there are things that we, that we either do to survive or they're built into us through evolution. For the purpose of survival. Interesting. And then you can go even further. It adds, adds dignity to it. Mm.
1: I think it, I mean it dignifies it' because you know I think that clients come to us feeling broken and and like everything you know these things that I'm doing are you know I'm
0: I'm just so weak. Well, I consider it to be compassionate. Yeah. Uh compassionate way of phrasing things.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Which
0: some some people have a, a problem with the traditional act matrix with the toward and Away language. They you know the criticism is it can be kind of shaming. You know, is this a, is this a toward move or an away move? Like, are you sure you're not just moving it away toward? Um although I I uh I'm, I'm of the belief that anything that can be spoken can be spoken in a way that is demeaning to a client. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that the word toward or away is yeah more susceptible to that um but i think it can be if you you use it inelegantly or clumsily so we can go even further with this idea of survival and vital so here on the bottom left hand quadrant i wrote down t-e-m-s and these are different types of verbal uh well actually we can put the s up here if we want to but it, it doesn't really matter these are different types of experiences okay so T, we can think of as thoughts. Mm-hmm. E, you know guess what that is? Emotions. M is for memory. And then S is for sensations. Okay. Which we could, we could include uh, physical sensations. It's just I wrote it down there in the bottom. It's okay. So this is just an acronym. If you go from the bottom to the top, if we go back to our earliest organisms on the planet, Mm -hmm. what's the very first thing that evolves? Mm. Sensations, Mm -hmm. right? You have to have a sensory apparatus in order to sense the light, cold, hot, or light, dark, cold, hot, and so forth. And then what needs to happen next? Well, you have to remember where you've been already. So you don't go back there over and over again, or... Your sensory apparatus needs to be able to store information.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So if you think of like a Venus flytrap, a Venus flytrap, something touches it, it closes, Mm -hmm. but closing costs a lot of energy for a plant. You know, that's a lot of energy. So it needs to be sure that when it closes, it's got an insect in there and not just some particle that's fallen, you know, a piece of dust or a little twig or something like that. Mm -hmm. And how does it do that? Well, it has sensory apparatus within the Venus flytrap mouth, the mouth, as it is in, air, in in quotes, and then it can kind of count how many times it's been touched inside the mouth within a certain uh, amount of time. Yeah. So it knows that when a fly lands on it, I say it knows, you know, f- facetiously, but when a fly lands on it, it moves its legs around, it and then it triggers the mouth closing. In other words, the Venus flytrap has a mechanism within it to store information, but only for a short amount of time. And then it discards that information. That's a rudimentary memory. And then of course, memory becomes more complex. It's just a storage of yeah. experience. Yeah, And then you become more complex, suddenly emotions develop Mm -hmm. emotions help us you know uh that's debatable whether you want to say humans are the only animals that can experience emotions but you can certainly see things like care and compassion in other mammals and you can call this whatever you like but those Mm -hmm. things evolved to help the species survive and then all the way up to the top of the chain thoughts or cognitions Mm -hmm. and that's us Mm -hmm. that's that verbal behavior so since sens- sensations, memories, emotions, and thoughts are part of the survival functions of us as a, as an organism, which means then all that stuff that we experience, whether it's anxiety, depression, you know, fear itself, uh, OCD, you know, all these diagnostic uh, labels, they all have roots in survival functions. Mm. And all these behaviors that we do up here, they all have roots in survival functions. Mm-hmm. So helping a client understand that is very validating. It's very compassionate mm-hmm. and it helps them now have language that isn't just good, bad, right, wrong, shameful, unshameful.
1: Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. That's yeah.
0: And then on the other side, all of these, all of this same stuff, all those thoughts, emotions, memories, and sensations. There's a certain way of experiencing these things that adds vitality to our lives. So, for example, um, fear is an emotion, and it's a survival thing, right? Like that fear response is something that, that that shows up when we're in a situation we need to get away from. So it tells us important information.
1: Yeah,
0: and. We can go on a roller coaster on purpose, or we can take our date to a haunted house on purpose, and we can experience uh, fear down here, haunted house up here, Mm -hmm. because the experience of fear adds a sense of vitality to our lives. So all those things that we do as human beings or as organisms or animals or whatever, we can do in a way that actually is a vital experience for us. And we use verbal behavior or these methods or techniques that we use in ACT to transform the function of some of this stuff that's just survival. You know, that's kind of its only motivation Mm -hmm. to things that are more vital experiences, Mm -hmm. even something as simple as breathing so can I can I lead you through a little exercise yeah so throughout this entire talk that we've been having you and I have both been breathing, but I don't know about you, but I haven't been aware of my own breath during this conversation'm yeah, uh, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm up and down right? yeah like
0: times I'm as chilling. i as I uh, bring awareness to my breath, I notice that I'm breathing very fast mm. Breathing is a survival thing, right? I mean, it's, it's one of the most basic survival things that we do. Our body has to breathe Mm -hmm. in order to survive. But I wonder if what will happen if, if you and I take just like 30 seconds just to consciously turn our attention toward our breath and during this 30 seconds, you can choose to breathe as deeply or as shallowly as you like for as long or as short as you would like, and simply breathe as if nothing else mattered. Let's do that together. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go. Okay. So that was about 30 seconds or so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was that experience like for you?
1: Um, well, it was different from the rest of our conversation, I was I was more focused just on one thing. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I was kind of playing around with my breath, um, kind of breathing fast and changing the the rhythm of my breath. Um, just for fun.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we might say that it, choosing to just attend to the breath for those 30 seconds mm-hmm. perhaps adds a sense of vitality to those 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. In your life. In other words, we can take a survival thing and we can transform it into this vital experience. Mm-hmm. And what if we could do the same, not just with our breathing, but with our emotions and our thoughts mm-hmm. and everything else that shows up on the inside, those scary images and things like that. We could look at them as this is just a scary thing. We could, we could look at it in a way that actually adds a sense of vitality to our life.
1: Yeah.
0: And There's various different ways you can do that. One of them is slowing down, slowing it down, just like we did there. You could slow down a breath. You could slow down a thought. You could slow down an image or a memory. Other ways might be just to, uh, you know, use some of that language like we were playing around with earlier. We could say, you know, the ability to have this memory right now, what does that tell you about what's important to you? Yeah. Or what does that tell you about being a human being? Or, um, you know, this, this emotion that you're experiencing, what would it be like if this was, you know, the last emotion you ever felt? Hmm. Or what would it be if you could hold this emotion in the presence of somebody that you loved and cared about cared about yeah or what would it be like if you could hold this emotion in the pres- presence of me here right now in front of you and so forth right yeah so we're taking something that is normally very scary aversive or whatever or in this case you know contextualizing it in this way simply a survival thing yeah simply a, a function of evolution and we're, we're imbuing it with some meaning through verbal behavior yeah and then noticing what happens next
1: yeah and i i uh i find for me where i'm at right now um in in this work is 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 especially when i'm um you know clicking with a a client is i find it a lot more effective to just kind of do that rather than you know say let's do this Mm -hmm. um and it it is um you know, kind of walking through the experience rather than like, you know, explaining the experience and then walking through it now for
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's helpful to experiment with that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of clinicians are geared towards, or, or they, they come from a background of let me explain this exercise first, Mm -hmm. set it up and then we do it. Yeah. And then we process it. If we're lucky, sometimes you don't have to process it afterwards at all. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's helpful sometimes to to simply do the exercise and then, process it first, and then explain it if you need to explain it. Third. Third. uh, Obviously, words and symbols all have meaning, Mm -hmm. but this matrix is a symbol, right? Yeah. So you send this home with a client and you might say, could you just be aware of the survival stuff that shows up for you and how you respond to it, and those vital experiences that show up and how you respond to those? I like that. And then... Perhaps when they come back with it, they can share some of those. And then you just break down, like, in what way did doing this help you survive? Mm-hmm. Either in your own history, like in your past, like yeah. when you were a kid, or evolutionarily. In what way, you know, do humans doing that thing that you just did, in what way has that helped us survive? So so in regards to the matrix that I developed, that this is what I call the SV matrix, or the survival vital matrix. Yeah. Survival stuff is not like bad, right? And vital stuff is not good either, right? It's just survival and vital. Mm -hmm. So like that experience of me going to work, coming home real fast, changing my clothes, getting married, driving back to work, Mm -hmm. that was a vital experience for me. Mm -hmm. Like that added a lot of energy and like invigoration into my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's not very workable for me. In terms of the kind of life I actually want to build, yeah. Skydiving, we don't skydive for survival purposes. Like that's not built in our, into our DNA. Mm-hmm. Survi- skydiving um, is not a survival thing; it's a vital thing.
1: Yeah. But
0: if I'm going skydiving every day and my kids are at home and they say, "Why is Dad gone on the weekends? Every weekend, how come he doesn't play with us?" Because I'm skydiving, then I need to look at that. Mm-hmm. Then I need I need to assess the workability of that action.
1: So. Well, okay, so so we're as we wind down talking about this survival vital and your your personal touch on the matrix. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier your and you mentioned also this curation of, of some of the work that you've done. Um, also want to talk about, you know, this uh, book that you basically you wrote and then you know you published online um actmatrix.com which is is your matrix book basically and is a is a kind of a beginner to end
0: um complete matrix training Mm -hmm. right it's all about the matrix so my my original idea is like i'll write a book on the matrix but there's already been uh, you know a couple of books on the matrix and they're very good books Mm -hmm. and i i wasn't sure if you know i was really adding anything to the canon at least not at that time yeah so i wrote the book but anyway I. Uh, it's not that i was like out of the goodness of my heart <laughs> i'm gonna like publish it for free yeah. um i tried to publish it traditionally but it yeah. was not uh you know uh, wasn't well received i suppose or it wasn't received was simply rejected mm-hmm. they, they didn't say it was bad <laughs> they just um you know they, there's only so many so much room in the market for for, for books that are about the same thing
1: yeah.
0: from the same publisher you know what i mean so I ended up, uh, saying, well, this, this information is valuable. At least I see it, see it as having value. Mm-hmm. Let me just publish it as a website so anybody can look at it for free. Yeah. And I, and I have received, uh, an overwhelming positive response yeah. from clinicians all over the world yeah. who, who visit theactmatrix.com and uh, are lucky. Well, uh, I'm lucky enough that sometimes they, they send me an email and say, hey, I really, I really like what you did there with this yeah. thing. And it, it really gives me a sense of fulfillment when I receive those emails from people.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, go there and, and get it before it takes it down, um, and publishes it, you know. No,
0: but but if, if you do want to get on the kind of the cutting edge, <clears throat> I've started a, a, a side project. It's, it's on my website, mm-hmm. but I, I'm starting like a weekly publication thing so it's kind of like a i, I think of it as a magazine mm-hmm. where you get you get one you get a little uh page of the magazine on monday and you get a page on friday <laughs> you subscribe to it so it's just it's via email mm-hmm. and there's a way to you know it's, it's called actmatrix.substack.com but there's a link to it on my website okay that sub is in sub sandwich and stack is in stack of sub sandwiches okay and if you put your email in Every Monday at eight in the morning, my time, and every Friday at eight in the morning, my time, mm-hmm. you'll get a little piece of like content about the matrix that I've written or a video that I've made or something like that, like a tool yeah. that you can use. And that's it. It's totally free. It's just because I, you know, want, it's, it's kind of a more live, more dynamic way of interacting with people because mm-hmm. you can leave comments and you can write to me back and. Okay. I can interact with people rather than just like a static website.
1: Yeah. You're you're doing this out of out of uh, a big passion that you have for the Matrix, and um, mm-hmm. I, I want to convey the just the heart with which you're you're taking this work forward.
0: There's lots of room for Matrix work. Matrix is, the Matrix itself has been around since 2009, and over that time, you know, it's been distributed so widely. There's people using it in schools, and hospitals, and businesses, and And a lot of people are using it in so many different ways. Yeah. And I, my um, aim is to help people understand, like, if you wanted to, you know, if you were, if you were kind of crazy like me, you could use the ACT matrix from intake to termination session with a client. Mm -hmm. And here's how you would do that. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested in clinical applications of the matrix rather than like, um, I don't know, there's, there's various things, you know, weight loss with the matrix or whatever and kind of stuff like that. Uh, I'm interested in, like, you know, if you really want to understand act or psychotherapy or behaviorism, you can do it through the matrix in a particular way. And um, some people would disagree with, disagree with me, and that's okay. I yeah. think, um,
1: yeah, you've 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 done a real deep dive over the years and and come out with your, you know, your own approach that is uh, very much wed to the the principles of, of, you know, CBS and, um, and, and you've, you've evolved it in your own way and, and, uh, uh, you're excited about, about, uh, about bringing that out. And I, and I, and I honor that. I'm, I'm really excited about this, this project that you have.
0: I, I appreciate it. And, yeah. um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's my life's work. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll add
1: all the, you know, necessary information in the show notes, uh, for people to, to check out your website and do the, the RFT self-study, act, um, the act matrix, um, um, act naturally, um, mm-hmm. and um, get a hold of you for for any consultation or questions they have regarding any of this. this
0: sure. Thing. I'd be happy to. And then I'm also doing a little, uh, well, this video is probably going to come out after it's done, but I'm doing something on the act matrix versus the choice point. When is the that? Different differences and similarities. That's the 22nd. I, I am excited and, and you've gotten me excited about uh, adding
1: this to my my stable house yeah thanks so much for for sharing your your wisdom and and uh, your experience um, and uh, i'll be I'll be posting stuff people can for people to, to stalk you down um, and uh, I just want to remind folks that if you're interested in uh, getting involved in a training group FAP training group uh, Luke Vandenberg and myself will be co-leading one. Um, which will be, you know, highly experiential. Um, good way to start to learn function by uh, jumping in, jumping in the pool, look at your own functioning. So um, so that's, uh, uh, get a hold of me through, through my website or my, my email. I'll put below. Um, yeah.
0: Thanks, Jacob. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Stronger, they take a piece of me, but I'm getting stronger. They take a piece of me, but I'm getting stronger. They take a piece of me, but I'm getting stronger.